Hey, welcome to the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast. Uh, this is Mike Costello. I am your host. And today I'm going to get into some hunt stories, uh, my own, actually. Uh, it's been a while since I've been completely solo on the podcast. And with the D zone opener, for most of the D zones at least, and uh, a few of the B zones, kicking off just a week from now, I thought I'd jump in and and share a little bit more about my own hunting stories and my one successful hunt story, which is my 2020 uh, black bear harvest that I took with my bow. Um, so I'm going to go into a bunch of that. And uh, I thought this would round out the the bear series. I think this will be part five, if we include the meat care uh, bonus episode that I did. This will be part five on the bear series. And we'll round this out and hopefully uh, share some tactics that work for me, as well as just, you know, some perspective and lessons learned and whatnot, as, as so many of us are going to be getting into the woods just in, well, if not already in A zone um, or, you know, B zone that's open, parts of it, then uh, we'll all be out in the woods soon and hopefully share some ideas and tactics and lessons learned that that you can take with you as well. So um, I want to... I'll, I'll kick things off by starting with um, some of my perspective on on equipment and just kind of getting started because I, I know a lot, there's a lot of hunters out there that are like myself, relatively new to hunting, and um, you know whether it's your first year or your third or fourth year, I think you're new. <laughs> I'm still new to it, um, and so there's there's constant learning going on, and and we're inundated with um, messages from other hunters, uh, as well as just all the different brands out there about the equipment that you that you need or that you should have. And I think uh, the most important thing when it comes to equipment is you know look at and ask you know what's good, what's popular, but you know before you go drop whether you know a hundred bucks on something or a thousands of dollars on something really really dig into why is this equipment the best or why is this person using this equipment you know things like um hell everything um you know things like insulation anything that's going to be insulated you know a jacket or a sleeping bag you know, if somebody hunts uh, in the Pacific Northwest and they're raving about how synthetic's the only way to go on your installation, uh, that's going to be a different story than somebody that's hunting, you know, high desert, you know, in the winter when it's cold but dry. Um, somebody that's doing a, a, a very cold but dry hunt would say down's the best. And so always scratch that surface and go deeper into why is something so good um, before you go out and buy a rifle for whatever caliber you want. You know, I see people post up on Facebook. What's the best caliber for X, Y, Z? What's the best caliber for black bear? What's the best caliber for, for coos deer um, or cows deer? And everybody will jump in with what they have usually or what they think is the best. And usually it's probably best for them because it works and that's what they have and it works. And so fantastic. But um, the thing to know is why is it, why is that caliber the best? Yeah, I, I um, for quite a while I was hunting with, uh, with a 30-30 or I would say, I should say I was walking around the woods with a 30-30 and, um, and I wasn't going to spend the money 
on a long range bolt action rifle or something that could do long range until I had a need that I could justify. And basically I told myself that if I can't spot deer <laughs> at, at more than a hundred yards, then I don't even, I, I have no need for a, a bolt action rifle that can get me out to 300 to 500 or more yards. Like if I can't even see the deer, beyond 100 to 200 yards that I certainly don't deserve or need a rifle that can stretch out and, and go beyond that. And so I, I gave myself basically two two benchmarks and um, one was kind of a personal goal, but the other one was a hunting goal. And that was that if I'm not out there in, in a hunting situation or a scouting situation, able to, to spot you know deer at distance, you know, with my binos, with my spotting scope, then I'm not going to reward myself with this new rifle. And so, but in the meantime, for about three years, I was digging into, well, what rifle do I want or what caliber do I want? And I went through like mentally and really, you know, from a study perspective, I went through everything, you know, started at seven millimeter Remington Magnum, um, up through the the various versions of of 300 Magnum uh, down to you know 243, uh, six millimeter Creedmoor, six millimeter or 6.5 Creedmoor, 6.5 PRC, um, 280 Ackley improved. I, I went through the whole list and and I really got into the ballistics, and I got into you know the recoil. I got into the ammunition availability. I got into the rifle availability. Um, I got into the, you know, I looked at the reality of what I would be doing in terms of hunting. You know, am I really going to try to, am I really going to be out there hunting elk at 700 yards? You know, no, I'm not. And so I, I don't need a long range, you know, elk or moose gun. Um, and so I landed on, you know, I landed on 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, you know, it's the, the, the caliber that, that, you know, most love and, and everybody loves to hate, <laughs> um, just because it's so popular. Um, but I, I chose that for my own reasons, based on an analysis of my needs, uh, a lot of ballistics tables, a lot of recoil tables, you know, whatever I'm six, three, two thirty. I still am not really accustomed to having, a you know, something like a 300 wind mag slamming into my shoulder. And so. I'm not, you know, I don't go to the range every weekend. I'm not a, a, a I don't shoot a lot. And so I want something that's going to be comfortable to shoot. Uh, and so when I do shoot, I'm not thinking about that flinch or, or thinking about that kick. So whatever. Um, some people would say, you yeah, know, I have all kinds of colorful names for me in that, in that regard. But hey, I'm the one shooting the gun. <laughs> and I'm the one that needs to be able to connect with uh, the target on the other end of that shot and uh, and do that reliably and consistently. So I went with 6.5 Creedmoor, but I have, other than knowing that it's one of the most popular uh, cartridges out there ever ever made, I under, I know why, I, I know why I bought it. I know the purpose and the, and the, and the, you know, the mechanics behind it and um, the data behind it that supports that being a good choice for me. Um, and so whatever you, you go out and spend money on, you know, knowing that something's popular or knowing that something's been endorsed by uh, a podcaster or a YouTube creator, you know, one of the one of the people that's in the in the field and um, 
you know, other than having their endorsement, look into why they're using it, why it works for them, and and see if that use case really translates to what you're doing. Um, and and then I think you're going to slow down. You'll probably purchase things uh, more cautiously. You'll probably spend a little less money. Um, or when you do buy what you need, you'll, you'll spend more on that one item, but you won't end up rebuying it um, because it was, wasn't quite right for you. So... Anyways, that leads me to um, my bow. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm shooting a, a diamond edge uh, 320 currently. Um, when I when I decided to to jump into bow hunting, uh, um, I did a lot of online research. You know what's what's good, but then also why? What are the features I need to look for? You know what how the sites are different, you know, what's, um, you know, bow speed, uh, pull length, draw length, uh, draw weight options. You know, there's everything out there in the compound bow world uh, from, you know, $329 ready to hunt package that's got a quiver, that's got a site, that's, you know, got a small, got a little stabilizer on it. Um, all the way up to hell you could spend two grand to put together a raid hunt package with with a premium you know kind of top of the line bow and so i knew that for me uh it wasn't going to happen if this entire package was a thousand dollars or more like it just it wasn't going to happen like i i wasn't going to budget that and so i wanted to find something that was in the in the entry level bow range but also looked like a functional quality package and so I ended up going with, uh, at the time, uh, Diamond Infinite Edge bow. And um, again, like, well, gosh, what arrows should I get? So look into it. Started to just barely scratch the surface on what spine, you know, what the spine meant, um, what length I needed. Um, just, just kind of teaching myself with what was out there. Uh, I guess you could say that I was both... Um, non-committal or, or maybe a little intimidated on just walking into a pro shop and, and having them like lay it all out there, you know, being, being the new guy, being the new gal, uh, you don't know the lingo. It can be intimidating. And, and sometimes, you know, I didn't want to get sold. What was ever was just happened to be the, the deal of the day. I wanted to do the research and whatnot. And so that's probably my own shortcoming, but I want to do the research and, and find out uh, on my own, what I could about this this new journey of, of of bow hunting, and so and I do I do kind of consume as much and, and a lot of data and a lot of information of what's out there online, and of course in doing so you get a lot of different perspectives and you get a lot of conflicting opinions. And the thing I like about doing that research online is um, you kind of pull all those conflicting opinions to, out. And then you can dissect them and figure out where the bullshit lays. <laughs> you know, you can try to figure out, okay, what's what's BS, what's real, where are the consistencies, and then you can kind of extract what's you know what's really happening um, in that with that particular item. And so I started with a diamond uh, infinite edge uh, three twenty, and I think just I think it was just basic, uh, you know, Eastern carbon carbon arrows. Um, and lo and behold, as I'm practicing on a very hot afternoon in my backyard, um, I'm probably like 20 arrows in and I walk back and 
I, I just pulled the arrows from the target, walked back to my spot where I'm standing from, and I pull the bow back and let go, and boom, and it the whole thing just like unravels. It crack, the 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 string snaps, the cams are bent, like just, and I I literally had to do this mental inventory for about a few seconds of, am I okay? Like, and then B, like what the hell just happened? And then C, oh, I didn't put an arrow. I didn't knock an arrow. So literally within weeks of buying this bow, um, made the the ultimate um, mistake that, that I think bow hunters, if they haven't, they will someday, but hopefully they don't. Uh, I dry fired the bow, like right there. And, and so basically destroyed it, bent the cams, broke the string, um, massive repair bill, you know, so this is like a $350 bow with like a $200 repair repair deal on it. And so I, well, lesson learned. So I go to local pro shop, go to get it repaired. And, uh, this is 2019. And so I get it repaired and it gets buttoned back together and it's, you know, it's, it's quote good as new. Um, maybe a few weeks before the season starts. So I go back, you know, I get back into practicing and you know, I'm doing pretty good with, with my shot and I'm, I'm learning, I'm seeing that there's, you know, the technical aspects of, of getting the shot lined up and getting a good anchor point and, and becoming consistent is, is obviously critical, um, and how to, how to get it sighted in. So I'm good there. So 2019, uh, opening evening of, 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 uh, deer and bear season in so it's it's what third friday in august um and i'm at, i go to the trailhead uh actually late morning i go to the trailhead on friday before i pack in and i brought a couple targets and so i've got these targets set up so i'm i'm working on my just kind of double checking my my shot at you know 20 out to say 50 yards and um one of the arrows, uh, had gone over the target, you know, into the brush. And, um, I didn't think too much of it. Uh, I grabbed all my arrows as I'm shooting, I think I was shooting like two or three of them. Anyways, kind of back and forth. I grab the arrows, pick them up, you know, I, I usually check the arrow like, to give a little flex, make sure it's not cracked or anything. I, I must have not checked the arrow. Um, because again, like I, I pull back let the shot go and the arrow mid flight breaks, flies off in two or three different directions and effectively again, dry fired that bow Friday before um, Friday before the season started. So I'm like, I'm, I'm between, you know, pissed off and just crying because this season was going to be it. Like I was going to put this thing together and um, I already knew I bumped a buck in this one spot uh, the week before. So I had a really good idea of where these bucks where this one buck probably was bedding down during the day or, or late morning. So I had, I had a plan in place and um, here I go. And, and because I shot a cracked arrow, you know, all that energy from the bow was transferred in this cracked arrow. Well, the cracked arrow can't absorb that energy. So it wasn't like a total dry fire, but it was, it was close enough to where, uh, the string, uh, or cable jumped the cam. And I think the cams was, was bent slightly. The bows, the bows not shootable at this point. 
So I just said, screw it. I'm, I'm not going to let this season, because I know the bow shops are backed up three or four weeks at this point. Um, I've put in a lot of work. I've burned a lot of gas. I, I've put a lot of time into this. And so I drove down the hill and, um, and again, not ready to commit like, you know, enough, enough money to, to get a, <laughs> a premium bow, um, went down the hill and I, I, I shopped between, uh, the local pro shop and the bass and the sportsman's warehouse <laughs> spent like three hours rotating between those three and set and found a, a diamond edge 320 that was you know that met met my needs and was ready to go and got it um got it got the the d loop put on it got the peep put into it and uh went into the the range at the shop that i got it and um said okay we're gonna zero this thing in right here and then i got back up to the trailhead in the early evening and i got my um, sights dialed in out to about 50 yards. And I'm like, here we go. This is what, this is what I'm going to do. So anyways, bottom line is that uh, you're going to make mistakes. Um, try not to do them at the trailhead. Try not to do them two or three weeks before the season starts. But uh, that, that was my very bumpy and, uh, and challenging start to archery hunting. Um, I hope yours was, was less bumpy than that. Or if you haven't started into it, uh, be, be aware of, of the, of the issues of dry firing or shooting a bow, shooting an arrow that is, is cracked or so significantly underspined that it can't absorb the energy of your bow and you end up cracking, you know, breaking an arrow and then also ruining your bow in the process. So. So that was 2019 and I hunted this area. This is the same spot that I, I've hunted um, in D zone. It's in a, in a fairly popular backpacking kind of overnight, uh, you know, one to two night backpacking camping area. Um, but I go in, I go past the people and past the crowds, just like a mile past them. And, and you get into an area where uh, people just don't go like they're, they're literally, you could hear them, you know, down at the lake or down at the stream, making all kinds of noise, but they don't come up in onto this ridge. Um, and I've had cameras up there for a few years. And so uh, very rarely do I see anybody walking up that way. Um, so 2019, um, I, I hunted this area a, a few times and uh, I did um, get a shot on, on a buck in the area that I thought it would be where, where I'd bumped him a, a week or two before. And, um, this buck just, I think it just stood up out of a bed literally as I was kind of attempting to still hunt through this area. And so kind of coming, coming downhill, um, off this ridge, uh, it, you know, nine, 10 in the morning. So the thermals have turned, they're coming uphill. So that's in my favor. And that was the intent is that I could be kind of slowly creeping downhill along this ridge at a time when the thermals would be coming up in my favor. Hopefully this buck would be, um, would be in this area bedded down or, or on its way to being bedded down in, in this timber, timbered zone. And um, sure enough, this buck was standing there, but it was standing I got him at about 20, 25 yards and um, 
it was standing on the far side of a couple trees that the branches just barely kind of laced together. Um, you know, 99.5% clear sight picture, but, um, I drew back and, and, and got a shot off on this buck. And, um, I wasn't sure if I'd hit it or not. And cause the buck took off, you know, right when the arrow got, got to him. And I thought I had a chance that, that this was a successful shot. But when I got over there to where he had stood, um, well, two things. One, when I got over to where I stood, I couldn't find any any blood um, and couldn't find the arrow. So I'm like, well, shoot, you know, if I'm if that arrow's in him, then then I've got a deer that's going to go down and I need to find this deer. So I I watched I scanned down in the area where he he ran off and um, and I could see, I found him about 200 yards away down in, in some thicker brush timber, you know, kind of shrubby area, um, almost down towards the meadow or uh, an area that's wet quite a bit. Anyways, I saw him and then I saw another buck walking up towards him. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. I'm seeing both these bucks. And so I spent a couple hours trying to get in a position on on this buck to get another shot. And, um, and they just, they just disappeared. Yeah. They just completely ghosted me. Um, again, no blood at any point. Um, so I hiked back up to the, where, where I made the shot. And I actually, at that point, as I was going in circles, looking for, um, blood or any other sign, I, um, I found both parts of the arrow broken, <laughs> no blood. Um, broken arrow, no blood, no sign of impact on, on the deer itself. And so at that point I was fairly certain that, um, I'd clipped a branch as I, I shot at this buck. And so that was, uh, my first shot on an animal ever. Uh, so check that box and thankfully, uh, uninjured and, uh, you know, a clean miss, I guess you could say. Um, and so that was my first shot. And then, uh, that was about it for the year. Um, so 2019, I did see a couple more bucks in some other zones when I was rifle hunting. Um, but again, just no, no shots fired, no, nothing, uh, no shot opportunities that present themselves as, as clean and, and, you know, something I was going to take. So fast forward to 2020, uh, I put on the same Ridge, I put about five cameras along the Ridge at, at different positions to hopefully pattern, like which way are these deer going? Like what, what are they? so far I knew they were in the area frequently, but I couldn't figure out like which direction are they going, you know, in the morning, which direction are they going in the evening? I, I hadn't really figured out what was, uh, what was, um, you know, morning bedding, you know, feeding areas, et cetera. And while I got a lot of good pictures of deer bucks and, um, and bears on these cameras along this Ridge, I did not really succeed in, in nailing down a pattern. And I think part of it's because this say square mile or so that these bucks are in, they're in it all the time. They're in it this is their bedroom. This is where they live. This is where they're spending a lot of their time. And, and they move not randomly, but they don't, they don't move on a set 
schedule or a set pattern that's easy to just dial in and 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 set your watch by um, i think they move based on disturbances they move based on wind and thermals you know they've got multiple paths to go from point a to point b and they choose their path based on a lot of variables that um, that basically play in their favor and so um, what i did knowing that the prior three seasons uh i'd probably been either walking past more deer than i saw um, or because i was moving around so much i was probably bumping them out of their beds and they were you know they were getting either my wind my scent or, or my you know sound or sight of me before i could see them and they were just creeping out uh, before i could even see them or they're locked down and staying in their spot uh, because you know life lessons had taught them that they could lock down and stay bedded. Um, and more often than not, whatever it is, especially if it's a human, it's gonna walk past them. So I decided in 2020 that I was gonna find a spot that I had some good visibility. Uh, it was you know in, in, a, in a spot where, where I had deer on the camera that were moving, you know, multiple directions through this area and uh, as well as bears. And I was going to put my butt in the dirt and just lock down and watch an area, an opening that I could shoot, you know, shoot across and um, and be ready in case basically do a ground line uh, without the blind itself. And so I did that last year and um, I went up for three weekends um opening weekend i think it was opening weekend of archery i went in and i got set up um and uh my camp was just like a quarter mile from this this spot that i was going to hunt and so and, and the so i was going to hunt was up the ridge from where i was camped and so in the morning when i wanted to access this access this area thermals being that it was cool were coming downhill so i'm hiking up uphill there, again the breeze thermals are, are coming in my face and so i'm hiking in um as quietly as i can and i'm getting in this area uh sun's probably coming up around 6 6 a.m so i'm trying to get up there by five and basically just plunk my butt down in the dirt uh in, in kind of a, at the crotch of a tree and and just sit there in the dark and and wait uh, until the sun comes up and the way it was oriented i was mostly facing towards the east and of the say you know six or seven mornings i was in this spot the the wind was uh the prevailing breeze and the thermals were in my favor and that they were coming to to me um you know maybe quartering you know left or right a little bit but for the most part they were coming to me and uh in this spot, I uh, the first weekend I had um, I had a doe come in. Uh, that was cool. Uh, it's nothing like seeing 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 some game to uh, kind of kick your blood up a little bit and, and make you pay attention. That's been one of my biggest problems about sitting still. Is I just I don't sit still well. Um, I feel like I need to be moving. And a lot of times when I had just been sitting still, hunting or glassing, I kind of like start nodding off and. Like, you know, my, my mind just goes numb and, and I lose it. And so I'm like, oh, I need to move around. But one thing I did find is that as soon as I had animals coming into me, um, 
my senses sharpened up like okay like this is happening i'm in a spot where where animals are going to come in and so had a doe come in uh you know just just at sunrise and um so that woke me up a little bit and sure enough you know she came in you know towards me and then kind of quartered off to the side a little bit and she actually got behind me and it wasn't until you know with the way the breeze was kicking uh kind of coming to me from my right you know to say going quartering off my left shoulder the wind was going a slight diagonal it was interesting how this doe was cautious and i think aware of me but as soon as she got to an angle behind me to where it's like the wind would would have carried my scent to her as soon as she, she hit that scent in the wind um she bugged out like she went from being cautious to completely you know bouncing out of there i thought that was interesting how how linear that effect was of of you know her hitting basically my scent being carried carried by the wind to her and so that was interesting to observe and then um and then i uh you know some time goes by and and i i see what looks like a bear coming in you know basically 90 degrees to the left from me uh, about 100 yards out coming through an opening in the trees i'm like oh my gosh this is like moment of truth is coming uh this is my first time where i've been in a, in a position to see a bear observe a bear you know during hunting during you know with, with a with a tag in hand um, and he's not aware of me, but I'm aware of him. So I, I'm, I'm kind of getting jacked up a little bit. He's about a hundred yards away. And so I'm, I kind of roll to where I'm standing behind this tree relative to where he is, this bear is. And I, um, got my binos out, got my bow, you know, ready. Actually I'll back up. I didn't have my bow ready. Um, I thought I had time <laughs> on my side. And so I'm watching him as he kind of comes through this gap in some trees and I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna kind of, I'll, I'll be able to see him like move into some brush. And, you know, I think he's going to make more or less a straight line to me. There's no right reason why he wouldn't. And so I get out a little rabbit squeaker call and I start wailing on this little squeaker predator call. And, um, and I think I can, I think I still know where he is. And so I'm watching from behind this tree uh, in the in the direction and the angle to, through some brush where I expect him to come from. I expect him to come a little bit, you know, say to the right up this hill a little bit along the ridge. And um, I'm standing behind the tree enough to where I don't have a perfect view of everything on the other side of the tree. So I'm wailing on this and, and I realize I've, I've kind of lost sight of him. You know, maybe I haven't seen him in, I don't know, 20 seconds or so. And uh, I hear a twig snap. I hear like something break or like, we'll just say a twig snap on the other side of the tree. And I turn and look around the tree and he's freaking 15 feet away. Like he's literally, it's five yards and he's other, on the other side of this down tree, five yards away. And he came in, he covered that 100 yards uh, far more quickly than I expected him to. And without a doubt, he came in on a line that I was not even paying attention to. So I'm not sure how he got out of my sight, but he sure as heck did. So he's there. Now I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> 
you know, bear at 15 feet. Um, and I, I go to knock an arrow and he's just standing there looking at me. And I'm, I realize I draw a bag, but I realize this bear is like the size of my shepherd mutt dog. I mean, he is, he's tiny. He's like a little fuzzy lap. He's like a little fuzzy, you know, Rottweiler puppy. Um, and so I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> um, and so I, I let down and he, he, with my movement, he, he, he maybe turns and spins and doubles the distance between us. So now he's at like, you know, 30 feet, maybe 40, maybe 20 yards. Um, if that, and so, and then he, t and then I wail on the, this, the, 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 uh, call again, he turns and he's looking at me again and he starts coming back towards me. So he's super curious, um, but I just couldn't do it. So, so that bear became known as buddy, the bear, because he was clearly, I mean, he, I, I'm surprised he actually wasn't with, 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 uh, with a, a sow. Um, he was so little, but whatever. He was probably legal in terms of over 50 pounds. Uh, he was not with a, a sow. And so he was a legal bear, but there's no way he was over a hundred pounds. And he looked like, you know, he was just a, he was just a baby. And so didn't shoot him and he bugs out eventually after some confusion of being interested and the not interested and, and he finally bugs out. And so that was cool. So now my blood's like pumping and I've got, you know, adrenaline's pumping. I'm like, Oh man, that was, you know, that was awesome. I couldn't believe how he snuck in on me like that. You know, a, a big bear sneaking in that close would have been really concerning. Um, so as I'm trying to like, you know, cool off and just, you know, get my, uh, get my heart rate to come down. I, uh, I've got my bow down on my side. Like I'm just, I'm not paying attention to anything going on around me. And I stand there and I, I look up the hill to my, my main area that I'm trying to, you know, shoot towards in terms of where I'm expecting animals to come from. And there's a buck standing there just watching me and who knows how long it's been there. And this was a fork by spike. So another, again, a, a young, a young buck, but it was just standing there watching me. It might've been there for 10 minutes. It might've been there for 10 seconds. I don't know, but it was having, it was just standing there watching me as I was kind of going through my, my decompression from the bear that had been there, you know, a few minutes before. And, uh, as soon as I moved, uh, my bow is actually on the ground. As soon as I moved to pick up the bow, of course the buck bounces out of there. And so that was where I think, you know, that was a situation where my, my lack of readiness and my pause, uh, you know, just in processing that this is a, this is a young buck. It's not a big deer, um, was my decision on that buck. I, I, by, you know, almost by default, I didn't take a shot at it. A, I wasn't ready and B, again, I, I mentally kind of paused because this is a smaller deer, younger deer. And, um, I felt like I was, is still early in the season. I felt like it was something I could wait for to, to go after something bigger. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, first morning, uh, of the season last year, you know, doe, bear, spike buck, or, you know, spike by fork buck all in the first couple hours. I'm like, I've hit the jackpot. This is the spot I need to be. And so, um, continued to hunt this spot for that weekend. I don't think any more game came through. That was Saturday morning. I don't think anything came through there 
again um, that weekend. But I definitely felt like I was in a spot at least where animals were coming to me. I wasn't walking all over the woods, you know, breaking twigs and spreading my scent around. So the concept of, of holding tight in a spot where I had some visibility of, of an area um, was was proving itself to be a, a good way to go for me at least. And so then the second weekend um, of the season, I, uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about my plan and, and what I'm doing. And uh, the second week of the season, I was hiking in either Thursday or Friday evening. I can't remember. Um, but I was hiking up towards this area from a different direction than I had gone before. And it was about 5 p.m., I think, 5, maybe 6, 7, I don't know. It was thinking thinking ahead, you know, sunsets around 8, 7.38. So it was probably around 6 or so by the time I, I get to this next part of the story. Um, so anyways, I'm hiking in the evening. Um, sun's going down. I'm on the I'm on the east side of the ridge now. So the sun is down enough to where uh, I've probably got an hour to go before true sunset. But because the sun is effectively behind the mountain that I'm that I'm coming up, um, it's kind of grayer light. It's not real direct sunlight, and so it's cooling off. It feels really nice. And I've got a nice breeze in my face, which is great. Like I'm hiking in with, with the wind in my face and um, just come up over a little rise and I see a bear just chilling, you know, just mowing down uh, acorns standing in the, in the middle of some huckleberry uh, oak, which is a low growing oak shrub um, that's just loaded with acorns that, that this time last year. And uh, there's a bear stand in the middle of this this thicket of, of of shrub oak, just mowing them down. Wind is in my face. He's in front of me. He, he can't. He has absolutely, this bear has no concept that I'm there. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, I need to figure out what my approach is going to be on this. And um, I kind of move off to the side, kind of get behind a little granite knob. I get positioned in a way that I'm, I'm about 25 yards, so I'm close. And um, he's quartering away from me. So he's kind of got his left, you know, his left hip, his left side and his left shoulder are towards me. And, and it's initially it's it's um, it's too aggressive of an angle. And so I just I'm just sitting there watching him. And of course, I'm thinking the, the longer I watch this bear, the more jacked up I'm going to get, like the more nervous I'm going to get. And so I didn't want to hurry it, but I also didn't want to sit there forever because I thought that that would just get me in a, in a worse mental state. And so I, um, you know, got, got an arrow knocked, uh, ranged them a couple times and basically held um, to where I was kind of tucked in behind this, this little bit of granite, uh, but watching him until he started to turn. So he's more broadside. And, um, I ended up taking a shot and he was, he was quartering to me, but not as hard as he had been. And I ended up hitting him in the shoulder, in the upper shoulder, probably between, you know, the, the shoulder blade and the, in the back. And, um, it was a bad shot. 
it wasn't it was not a kill shot uh the arrow of course he he bails out of there like a freight train um downhill like he just blows out i can see the arrow uh sticking out and it's sticking out of his shoulder like two-thirds of the way if not more um and he bails out of there and takes off galloping downhill can hear him just crashing through the brush crashing through trees and and bushes and and everything i'm like shit <sighs> now i've got an injured bear um so as i go over there to where the shot was where where he was and um there is no blood um and i'm kind of going through what i saw penetration on the arrow was not significant um the arrow i i, I track i followed where you know the direction he went i i list i i followed him with my eyes and my ears as long as i could and so i was able to to track his track about 100 yards as he went galloping through um you know between some some granite outcroppings and and down through these trees and and whatnot um but of course i'm thinking like sun's going down like I, this is an injured bear sun's going down so i'm feeling less than thrilled about about my my standing as a hunter at this point i'm also feeling less than thrilled about my standing of of tracking this bear um as it's getting dark uh and so I, I went back and forth on what I knew of the shot and what I knew of where he was and where he went, and what I saw and what I heard. Went back and forth uh, along this area um, three or four times, um, basically between the shot and when it was almost, you know, basically headlamp time and uh, just felt felt terrible. Um, not not what I like, not what anybody likes in terms of hunting. Um, the, the one saving grace that I knew was that this shot that I, that I hit him with was not, um, wasn't a gut shot, certainly wasn't a heart shot, certainly wasn't a double lung, um, wasn't a pass through and there was no blood. And so I was like, well, I said, that really sucks. Um, so I went and got my camp set up. Uh, it's dark. I'm not going to there's nothing I'm going to be able to do at this point. And so I, uh, set up camp and got out early the next morning back to the area where the, the shot, where I made the shot and, um, and spent about half the day, um, just looking for any sign of this bear and, uh, followed the drainage or the, 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 the multiple options of drainages, um, that were thick and, um, that would have been a good spot where I, I think the bear would have gone given that he was going downhill, given that he was, you know, hooking right based on how I could, you know, what I could hear of him. And, uh, so spent, spent much of the next day, um, digging this area apart and just going, um, you know, basically just looking for anything that was signed, looking for my arrow, like, like that arrow is going to break off at some point. And so, anything that would give me an indicator of directionality or, or injury, um, for this bear. And so sat, put that day into seeing if I could find him and, uh, I didn't. Um, and so I, I am, I am 
certain that that bear did not die um, just based on on the arrow placement. And, uh, you know, I think he got a pinprick basically in his shoulder and uh, the arrow broke off and, and somebody someday is going to find that that bear and, and hopefully harvest him clean. And uh, they're going to find a broadhead in his shoulder um, at some point. So anyways, that was a, a kind of a, a downer moment, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm confident that the bear survived and, and it was still kicking. So anyways, the next day, um, this is again, the second weekend of hunting in this area. I go back to my spots. So this would be Sunday, I guess. I go back to my spot where I'd seen Buddy the bear and the doe and the buck, um, the day, the weekend before. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there, you know, nothing, nothing much is going on, um, on this particular morning. And, um, I'm sticking with it till like nine or 10 AM. So I've been, I've been in this spot, you know, starting, well, let me back up actually. Um, I think it was this weekend. I think it was not the next weekend. One of these weekends that I was up there, it was the second or third I'm in my spot at like 5 a.m., you know, an hour or so before sunrise. And um, it's a little creepy, you know, you just sit there and on the ground in the woods and, and you know there's bears in the area because you've seen, you've seen them. Um, and uh, I'm just sitting there. Woods are silent. It's very peaceful. And I hear over my right shoulder a, a twig snap. And it's the same type of twig snap that, that alerted me to Buddy the Bear coming up from my left side, you know, 20 feet away or 15, 20 feet away, you know, the weekend before. And I hear a twig snap and I'm thinking, damn it. <laughs> no, you know, it's not even shooting light. It's pitch blackout. It's totally dark. And um, I've got a headlamp on, but it's off. And so I turned the headlamp on. I also have a flashlight. It's got a pretty good beam to it. And so I turn the flashlight on the headlamp on and I kind of swing around. I'm still sitting on the ground. But I kind of swing around the tree that I'm backed up against and probably 20 yards, 30 yards. I don't know. It's hard to tell distance in the dark, but there's these, you know, the green beady eyes, greenish yellow beady eyes and the face of a bear standing there just staring at me uh, through the through the woods here um and this area of woods i'm in there's a lot of down trees so there's a lot of deadfall and there's a lot of you know just kind of you know twigs and branches and stuff on the ground so it's not thick with you know lush green uh young trees that are green close to the ground so i can see straight through um, and he's just standing there and he's not, he's not moving at all. This bear's not moving. I don't know if it's buddy, the bear or another small bear, but it was not a big bear, but it was, it was a bear just staring at me from, you know, say 20, 30 yards in the dark. And with my headlamp on him, on this bear, uh, he starts walking towards me. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm surprised that he would, he would do that. But, uh, so I stand up and as soon as I'm up on two feet, he bails out of there, just sh shoots out of the area like a cannonball. Um, I could hear him go, 
crashing off through the brush and, and whatnot. And so I'm thinking, okay, cool. You know, hey, bears are still in the area. You know, I'm still still in a spot that the, the wildlife hasn't bugged out. Um, so 20 minutes later, sun's about coming up. It's almost gray light. It's almost shooting hours. And I hear a twig snap again, but this time off by my left side. <laughs> and sure enough, that damn bear had snuck in again. I, you know, again, I hear him at like 20, 30 yards off, but this time off my left shoulder. He's coming up and I immediately just stood up and he bugged out, but I don't know what it was. Like, I'm not in there, you know, eating. I'm, it's not like I got beef jerky, you know, buffet laid out across the, the, the trees that I'm sitting next to. Um, I am, I'm eating granola, but um, I don't know if it was scent, if it was just curiosity. I, I, I am and lost to understand why this, this or these, I don't know if it's the same bear or multiple bears, were so curious and interested in what was going on with me sitting in the woods. But they definitely were. And so anyways, um, later one of these mornings, I'm still sitting there and, um, man, I got to take a dump. <laughs> you know, nature's calling. And uh, it's late enough in the morning. I, I kind of feel like, you know, the morning is done. Like the, any, any movement that would have been going on with these animals, you know, in, in the, the, the dawn hours has, has passed. And so I'm like, eh, you know, I can take a five minute break. And so I, um, I walk back behind where I've been sitting, I look back, like, say, you know, I've been sitting mostly at, say, 20 to 40 yard range from the area that I might be shooting towards. And uh, so I walk back to the area that's more like 60 to 80 yards and removed. And, uh, you know, find a nice tree, dig a little hole, and I'm doing my business. <laughs> the bow is setting, you know, re my release is off my wrist. The bow is sitting, you know, with beyond my reach. and um, I'm sitting there and sure as <laughs> there's a bear shit in the woods. Sure. Sure, sure enough. Um, the biggest bear, a bigger bear than I'd seen, you know, the week, the week before or the night before actually where I take a shot at him and hit him on the shoulder, different bear, bigger bear, more of a, a dark, it's so dark a red, like almost almost black, but like a like a real deep mahogany color. Um, this large bear just comes lumbering through uh, right at that twenty yard mark from where I've been sitting, like just dead center to where I would want him to be. Uh, moving left to right across my field of vision, and I'm like, damn it, you know. So I'm like, hurry up, <laughs> and. Um, Literally, I'm, I'm I start wailing on that that little rabbit call and and get my bow and get myself to, get myself put back together and uh, and he pauses a little bit, kind of looks at me or looks in the area that I've got the call going. I'm trying to like creep up, like close this distance as he's continuing. He's slowed down, but he's still moving left to right. Um, and uh, I get to where I would be at about thirty yards and he's kind of moved there's trees in the way so i need to get to where he's now within shot but also out in the open between these trees and at that point i realized i left my release 20 yards behind me holy shit 
So anyways, that opportunity passed because the bear just, you know, he, he, he could see the movement, me moving around and going back and forth and all that. And he just kind of cruised out of there. Um, didn't ever run. He, he made, he looked over at me a couple of times or looked into my direction as I was wailing on this, this little game call. Um, so he never, he didn't bail out like he was like scared or, or startled by, by what he was witnessing or, or, or seeing, but he, he didn't stick around. So anyways, um, another bear. So that's, I don't know, that's bear three or four at this point, uh, in, in this area over the, over a couple weekends. So that's my, that's my last opportunity for that weekend. And, um, nothing else happens. I, I change stands at one point and I do see a doe, uh, coming out in an area where I expect to see deer, um, from a, a different stand or a different ground blind up on the ridge. Uh, another spot that I went into at one point I could hear, um, three times I heard either like a snort wheeze, multiple snort wheeze, uh, kind of grunts from a, a buck moving through the woods. Um, another time I heard a doe bleat multiple times directionally as it was moving through the woods within, you know, within a hundred yards of where I was. So I'm in this spot where these deer, they're moving around, like they're in this area. But the thing is, is they've got that they've got multiple travel corridors and they've got, they're using the thermals. And so their, their movement, they choose, you know, door, door A, door B or door C you know, to go where they want to go based on, um, you know, what's, what's favorable for them in terms of thermals and, and whatnot. And so anyways, there's deer in this area. So at this point, um, I haven't hunted any other zones that I had scouted. I'd been in the same spot, same general area for, for two weekends and I'm back home and I go back home and I'm, I'm like sharing these stories with my family and, and, uh, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll go down to this other spot next weekend. You know, what do you guys think? You know, just kind of throw it out to the, the family and the kids. What do you guys think? And my daughter, you know, she's like, this isn't even a question. She's like, this is not a question at all. You're going to go back to the spot where you've seen three or four different bears <laughs> and you're going to kill a bear, you know? So she's like, this is, this is obvious. Like there's no, you're not going to go somewhere else. Um, because there's just so much going on in this area and uh and i'm like okay yeah no you're right that's totally fair you know the the bears are in there they're cruising the acorns are ripe um so yeah absolutely and so sure enough i go back uh the next weekend uh again probably went in either thursday or friday evening but uh did the same thing um trying to figure out yeah i probably went in maybe i went in i don't know if i went thursday night probably went in thursday night and then um and then my first hunt that last that weekend so now we're at labor day weekend and uh and i think i did the same sit uh friday morning and it didn't work out um nothing nothing happened that spike by fork did come in a second time um while I was up there at some point and, uh, I passed on him. And so he came in twice, uh, at this point, no, none of the bigger bucks in the area have come through this stand while I was there. Uh, but, uh, 
so then Saturday morning, I, I changed it up and went to a different spot on the ridge that I know deer pass through quite a bit and as well as some bigger bears have passed through. It's got a, a whole bunch of dead logs, dead trees that are down that have been torn up. You know, they're just they're just shredded. And I've actually had some some camera video of, of bears pausing on these logs. You know, every time they walk through, they kind of tear into it a little more because they're looking for for grubs and beetles and whatnot. And so I go back to this spot and um sitting there uh, again you know back back to the the kind of the crook of a tree um just on the ground and i think it was probably around 8 30 or 9 a.m on this this saturday morning of labor day weekend and uh and a bear comes cruising through again left to right they, they just move along this ridge and in the mornings they're going <laughs> they're going left to right we'll just say that and uh he's cruising like i'm thinking damn you know he's only he's only at like 30 or 40 yards but he's moving steadily like a bear when it's just at a steady walk can cover ground remarkably fast and so i didn't feel comfortable shooting him on the move um as he as he got to the far side of this this kind of woodlot or you know area with the, all these down trees um I decided that I was going to uh, try to move with him and shadow him and get in a position where I could get ahead of him. And so he's directionally moving kind of across and up this ridge. And I'm shadowing him maybe 50 to 100 yards downhill from him and trying to move in the same linear motion, but, but get ahead of him, kind of scoop out to the side and sweep around. And uh, I'm I'm blowing on the the rabbit call, and uh, I'm wailing on that. He doesn't care. He's not he's not blinking one way or the other about this call, but he's also not really bugged out by the racket of noise I'm making. So he's just cruising, like he's on his morning walk, and he knows he probably knows where he's going, and he's going there. Um, and so I stay. I try to get ahead of him a couple times and I get to where like I sweep out of the way to where I can't see him anymore and try to get ahead. And then when I try to loop back in, I realize I'm just barely parallel with him or I'm still behind him. And so finally, as he is going up over a ridge, um, I decide to just really boogie and go around the ridge lower and then come up the other way. And so I'm coming up. Um, now at what point at this point, I feel like I'm going to come up and be facing him. Like we're going to be face to face if he's, if the timing's, you know, just right. And so a little nervous, but I'm, I'm just trying to get ahead of him enough to where I can get in a position and have him walk to me. And so anyways, I, um, I do, I get far enough ahead of him to where I can look back now on the, on the backside of this ridge as he's come over it and and I'm in a spot where if he kind of stays right, he will be coming straight towards me along a ridge within, you know, elevation wise, almost like at the same elevation. Um, and so I'm thinking I'm going to have to like duck into these, into this, this, these shrubs and just kind of tuck in and, and really hide until he's close. Um, or if he swings, you know, 10 feet to the left, he's going to drop down another level, almost like a, like, you know, he's going to drop down to, you know, the patio level, whereas I'm on the, you know, the, uh, the mezzanine level. And so anyways, he drops down and, um, 
and he's coming towards me just slowly, just meandering, you know, eating, eating acorns and doing his bear thing. Um, and I, I, I got a little bit of video of him. You, you know, this is the video that you probably, if you haven't seen it, it's there on the Instagram where you can see some video of this bear just kind of cruising towards me and meandering a little bit. So he's at about 30 yards, uh, downhill shot. Um, he is moving a little bit. And finally, when I, um, I, uh, you know, I, I chased him for, I don't know, it's maybe a quarter mile, quarter mile to half mile trying to shadow this guy. And so he, uh, he gave me enough time to get this video, take a couple pictures of him. Okay. Mike, put the camera, put the camera away, put the phone away and let's get centered and focused on this now. And so, and uh, put, put that away and get ready for the shot. He's at about 30 yards. It's downhill. Um, he's moving a little bit, but he, he's got to where he paused or slowed down as he's in this thicket of, uh, of some shrubs. And, um, and I let one fly and he was not dead still. Uh, I can't say I made a great shot, um, but I got, I made a lucky shot and I'll take luck when I can. Um, you know, there's obviously we got, we've got to make our luck, uh, but we also have to be a, a good shot. And so the, his movement, I don't know if he moved, I don't know if I misjudged his movement in general, or he just kind of lunged a little bit forward or, or kind of lurched forward when I, when I, at the same time I was shooting, because there was a, some logs that he would have been moving up and over. And so it may have been that he just kind of was, was taking that next step or kind of hopping up over these logs when I shot, but I definitely hit him and, uh, and he spun and, and then ran and spun again. And so he's, you know, he's not happy. Something's, something's hit him. I'm thinking this might be the same bear as I'd put a, an arrow into the shoulder a couple weeks before. And I'm thinking, <coughs> oh man, I said, I, if, if this poor bear, man, if I've injured this bear twice, I need to hang this up. Like this isn't, this isn't good. But uh, anyways, he goes a ways and I watch him and listen for him. And, um, and I, I, then I'm concerned about him going downhill through this kind of drainage down, which into a, uh, into a Canyon where he could follow this drainage that he, where that we're in, um, he could follow it a thousand vertical feet down if he wanted to. And so I, I kind of step back and, and run shadowing this drainage area to where I can get down to the kind of the throat of it, where it would drop off into this Canyon. And, um, and to make sure I don't see him going there, or if he does go there, I can see him exiting that way. So anyways, try to, try to get ahead of him and, um, spend about 45 minutes or an hour, just kind of looping down below the area that he would have, you know, try to, try to make a circle into the area of, of where he would be. And, um, I didn't want to pressure the, the area that I think he's now tucked into, um, want to give it some time. And so I sat, uh, on a ridge opposite of where I'd taken the shot and, um, just kind of listening and looking. And, um, finally about 45 minutes later, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get my backpack, go get my stuff. Cause I, I'd left everything behind when I, when I took off to, to follow this guy. And, uh, so I went and got my stuff and, um, I still hadn't gone down to track the blood yet. So I went and got my gear, brought my backpack and then started it. Now it's been about a full hour at least, um, 
since the shot. And so that's when I went down to where I took the shot and, and found the blood. And sure enough, um, what was a couple splatters of blood turned into what looked like somebody was dumping a bucket, like a five gallon bucket, just being dumped out every few feet. Uh, and so I had a great blood trail, um, that was, you know, just, <laughs> it was, it was almost continuous. Um, so had a great blood trail and followed up for I don't know, 50 to a hundred yards. And sure enough, uh, he had expired. What ironically, he was probably within sight of where I was sitting for an hour. And he was within 20, 30 yards of where I was sitting for this hour, but I just wasn't looking in the right spot. So pretty, pretty effective uh, kill shot. Uh, turns out the arrow had hit his femoral artery and just you know, just, he just dumped, dumped the blood out. And so it was a pretty fast death for him, but found this guy, um, found him, you know, on a 10, 10, 10, 30, 11 AM sun's up, it's getting warm. And I've got my first, uh, big game animal down and I'm like, I'm both, you know, super excited. And, um, you know, also just like, what the hell now? Like, this is, <laughs> this is more than I bargained for. I'm four, I'm four miles from the truck, from, from the trailhead. Um, but you know, I, I'd done my homework to the extent possible. Um, you got to watch as many YouTube videos you can, of, of people field dressing. Um, I had kind of mentally gone with the, the gutless method as my, my, my method of choice in terms of field dressing. And I'd read and seen enough, um, online, you know, podcasts, YouTube, uh, about the necessity to break a bear down quickly to avoid bone rot. So I'm thinking already about bone rot. I'm thinking about, you know, getting the skin off, getting the hide off. <clears throat> I'm thinking about getting the, getting the, the major quarters, you know, getting the shoulder, um, getting the four quarters broken down in, in the game bags as quickly as possible. And so it was, um, it was a two hour sweat fest uh, there in the sun on this ridge. There's no shade. Um, you know, at about 7,000 foot elevation as the early September sun is just, just starting to bake, bake down on us. And it was a little bit of a race because the, the parts, you know, the, the, the part of the bear that was in the sun that I got to, you know, basically last in terms of getting the skin off, um, that meat was starting to turn like within two hours there, there was meat that was starting to turn that I was cutting, cutting away right then. Um, and so with bear, you know, it's, it's important to get them, get that hide off and get them broken down as quickly as you can. Um, the, the total, you know, the work wasn't even done then. So at that point, it's a matter of like, how much of this meat can I carry out? And I didn't bone it out, which I think I will next time. Um, so made two trips out with the bear, you know, the four quarters and the head. Uh, I didn't keep the hide because the hide was, was pretty thin. You know, the fur was, was pretty thin and sparse. It wasn't, this, this was not a thick, luxurious bear skin at this point, you know, summer's warm. It's, it's been, you know, 80 to, to 90 degrees in the sun in this area and, um, all summer. And so, um, there was, there was not a, a good bear skin to, to harvest with this, but you do have to take the head out for fish and game to, uh, inspect. And so 
<clears throat> between the head and the uh, the four quarters, uh, I had, I'm going to guess 100 to 120 pounds of, of weight. Um, I, I don't know exactly. I know that for the backpack I was using, which was, you know, kind of going back to gear, I had never stepped up and bought a, a modern um, kind of weight load bearing hunting backpack. I was using my, my mountain Smith backpack that I'd, I'd had since the early nineties, which has done very well for me as a, as a backpacking backpack. You know, I've had 50, 60, 70 pounds in it of backpacking gear. Um, but that's a different type of weight distribution. It was also, you know, when it was new, you know, 25 years before. Um, and so weight distribution of, of, you know, of a, of a hip and a shoulder quarter, is very different than weight distribution of backpacking gear, and so this was a this was a a suffer fest of of about thirteen and a half miles to to hike out and then hike back and then hike out again um, to get this bear out and uh, got done at like one a.m. It was grueling. It was absolutely grueling, but uh, you know, super exciting day. And uh, thankfully, I had a buddy that was able to help me out, who's done quite a bit of of game butchering, and he was he was uh, willing to help out and and lend a hand, lend it, you know, lend access to his shop, and spend a few hours with me the next day, breaking all the meat down, and and we trimmed it very aggressively. We probably trimmed away some meat that we could have kept. But uh, trimmed it pretty aggressively to in this, you know, stew meat and um, what could be steaks, um, what could be roasts, and ended up with probably about 40, 40 pounds finished, clean, trim, boned out meat that was, um, you know, just uh, an absolute treasure to have. And so that uh, that was my first bear hunt, the um, or first successful bear harvest. The head on this bear, again, you could check out the Instagram. Um, I've got a few pictures of this bear's uh, mouth and face or mouth and, and, and skull. Teeth were worn down. Uh, all four canines mostly intact. I think one of them was was chipped a little bit, but but they're dulled for sure. And then the uh, the front teeth are, are just about worn down to the gum. And so older bear, uh, I've had people estimate you know, 10, 12, 15 years. I don't know yet. I haven't sent a tooth in to be examined, but I'm going to. And uh, the skull itself um, cleaned up, you know, trimmed trimmed of all the, the muscle and, and fat from the skull uh, is definitely over 19 inches. So it's it's a good size bear. I believe it gets into the, the, the uh, Pope and Young record book for the state uh, at least as a as a one-year entry not not for permanent record but for uh, a a one-year entry i think it does so that's pretty cool and um like i said it wasn't the best shot but it was it was was a shot that worked and and i had some luck playing in my favor on that and you know lessons learned on every aspect of this trip but uh uh, I'm excited to go back to the same area. I've actually put a tree stand up in there for this year for both. Uh, hoping one of those bigger bears cruises through uh, later in the season and um, and and some of those bucks too. I, I I think that if I if with the tree stand, my strategy there is to get up off the ground and have my scent moving. You know, say from 20 feet above the ground, dispersing and spreading out um, much further away as opposed to being carried along the ground. And so those instances of those bucks that were 
basically walking, shadowing where I was, shadowing my area, um, snort wheezing away as they cruise through. I'm hoping that getting my scent uh, dispersed better and up off the ground will help. Maybe they'll come in through the area that I'm that I'm that I'm in. But uh, yeah, so bear meat. Also back to that. So this bear did not have a lot of fat on him, um, but the the fat on a bear is very greasy. I think that's very that's true, and it does make you know the field dressing process messy and slippery. I think that's one of the most. Um, I think that's I've heard that called out that that field dressing a bear because they're so fatty. And again, I don't think it's so much about the quantity of fat that they have. It's the type of fat. It's very slippery, very greasy fat. And so keep that in mind um, when you're field dressing a bear in terms of how slippery that knife's going to be and uh, and how slippery the body is just when you're trying to like grab onto something. So uh, definitely want to, you want to have, you know, sharp knife and maybe even a stone with you to sharpen as you're going uh, on, on breaking that bear down, but you can do it. I mean, heck I did it as my first wild game animal. Um, it was in the sun. It was hot. It was, it was about as miserable conditions as, as one could ask for. And I was solo. And so if it can be done in that setting and still get, um, a good amount of meat out, uh, then it can be done any, in, in any setting. And uh, I, I'm, I'm confident that with some study on the, the YouTube, you know, options that are out there for uh, gutless method. You know, if you look at elk gutless method and deer gutless method uh, videos, then you're going to see enough parallels to where you can translate that into uh, a gutless method uh, cleaning opportunity and, and breaking, the, breaking a bear down. It'll, it'll translate to there just fine for you. So don't be shy about it and um, know that you can get some, some really good meat out of, out of a California black bear. So all of that uh, to say it was uh, lots of lessons learned and I'm excited to go back again this year. Um, super excited about the upcoming season, the scouting I've done. I think I know um, there's some good spot and stock opportunities uh, in a couple of the zones I'm looking at. And then I've got this kind of timber buck tree stand area that I'm going to go into and um, just just really looking forward to it and, and hope that uh, hope it's a good season looking to, looking to be able to say that uh, I'm Mike Costello and hunting ain't easy but I have now killed my first buck so you'll be hearing that at some point this season I hope and for you and your your hunting season man just get out there and, and have fun and learn and know that every Every time you're out there, it's like uh, it's like putting together a big puzzle. You know, every day that we're out there in the woods, another piece or two of that puzzle come together. And, um, you know, so in that regard, it's always a success. Um, but I hope you get uh, the same success that I'm looking for and that you have a good time and uh, end up with some, some meat in the freezer this year. So that's it. That's my bear hunt story. <laughs> um, they are out there. And I hope you have a good season. We'll see you later.